Yahoo Daily Fantasy is starting the year off hot. Every day, they're running a $100,000 fantasy basketball contest that has zero management fee. That means Yahoo is making nothing on this contest. Less players equals better odds for you. More than one in five people who play will double their money. Not a bad way to kick off the new year. There's a limit of 10 entries per person, so don't miss these contests. Go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. Use promo code Yahoo25 when you make your first deposit of $25 in free play. Basketball is very good. Jimmy Butler is actually a good teammate. Savanis is the most important front court pacer. De'Aaron Fox is better than Donovan Mitchell. Basketball is very good. Hello, and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. This is the group chat. I'm still not comfortable doing it that way. <laughs> um, you can always switch it, you know. Paolo Getty, you think you could do better? Probably not. Paolo needs to try next week. Uh, I'm going to pass. Uh, we're going to get into some hot Pelicans talk in the second half of the podcast. We're bringing on Scott Kushner from the New Orleans Advocate. Uh, but first, we're talking about deals. It's rumor monger season. We have a lot of this going on on the ringer.com. Uh, we have a live blog that we're going to pretty much be updating throughout the next month. Trade season is now a month, just in case you guys are wondering, just because we love it so much. Uh, there's going to be a lot going on there. Uh, Jonathan Charks also wrote a really good piece today about who says no between uh, trade for CJ McCollum for Aaron Gordon, which I thought was a particularly interesting one. Uh, but we are talking about some teams that need help, regardless of what's happening in the season. I think they're going to need something to happen. Let's start first with the Boston Celtics. Okay. Haley. This is the team I'm going to fix. You you came <laughs> locked and loaded with the trade. I did. Well, okay. So actually, this is funny. You I did woke not up, come locked and loaded with I the did, trade. I did. I <laughs> did. But I, it came to me in the middle of the night. I woke up and wow. I know, and I had my phone and I looked at the um, trade machine mm-hmm. just to see if it would work. And, and it did. And then I went to sleep and then I, I got up this morning and I looked at it and I was like, Oh, God. <laughs> this is a little out there. So I feel like I need to explain first. Mm-hmm. Okay. this There are so many things wrong with the Celtics. When I say that, I don't just mean on the court. I mean a lot of it is off the court. By proxy, that means that something's wrong with Brad Stevens, too. Oof. The, Tough not, look for our guy. Not him as a person, but his coaching right now. Mm-hmm. Because you have Kyrie, who, just to recap, basically said, these guys don't know how to win a championship. I know how to win a championship. You have Jalen Brown, one of the young guys, coming back and saying, no, we shouldn't point fingers. There's Mm -hmm. bad things going on everywhere. And then so Kyrie tries to fix it and says, I called LeBron and I apologize because it's really hard to, you know, develop young kids and be around these young kids and teach them how to win, which is basically like if you call your mom and you're like, I'm so sorry for being a shithead. You're still calling your kid a shithead. <laughs> right. You know what right. I mean? Like yes. he's it's it's kind of him saying sorry to his team, yeah. but not really. I so, thought it was like a like a no, it was interesting move. It was sweet. Because, like, yeah. Not just the fact that he did it, but also that he felt that he needed to communicate it to the to the media that he did. It was interesting too, I thought. Well, but nothing means anything if you don't communicate it to the media, right? True. No, no, but then we had the story this morning on the athletic that you know, Kevin Love was with LeBron when Kyrie called LeBron. It, it all yeah. seems like I don't know. I just 
That's that's the issue with it. I mean, I think that's a little independent of it because you have a reporter in Cleveland who's like so sure. clearly tied with or knows LeBron and Kevin Love so well from his time with him that he was able to just like track down the details. Of Are the we call. going to conspiracy corner right now? <laughs> no, but no, I, I agree that like the biggest issue is that all of this has played out in the media. And it seemed like Kyrie was both acknowledging the flaws in that and yet still doing it through the media yeah. as if to like put a bookend on the entire fiasco. Right. I, hopefully from this point forward he stops doing that and keeps it in house but overall I thought it was a good moment where he came to the realization that like maybe his methods aren't like the best way of doing it well a day or two after he originally said that first comment he was talking to the media and he said I should not talk about my teammates in public again yeah I'm paraphrasing but he said that and that kind of was enough to me but anyway that's one problem Mm -hmm. that they have this outside perception going on inside they have so many things wrong with their team and last night they won um, Aaron Baines is back, which is far more important than I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like a connector for a lot of the things that are going wrong on offense right now and on defense. Terry also played well last night, but he's been a huge problem. I call Terry's first name only yeah, now. It's only Terry. It's <laughs> no, Terry. I'm you know, it's, Tito. It's a first name only guy. Yeah, we we know each other. <laughs> we don't, but I, I like to think we do. Okay, anyway, Marcus Mark's been out. Another huge problem. Gordon Hayward has been out in every single form except for his physical body. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. This man is like his vertical is completely gone. He looks gun shy. He looks like he's trying to conserve things and hide other things. Not the same player. When they played the Nets, when they lost the Nets, Gordon sat like the last eight minutes of the fourth. It was a close game. Horford sat the entire time. The hierarchy that we thought was going to exist does not exist. And that's Brad Stevens' problem. He needs to pick eight guys, 10 guys, roll with them. And it might not be your best eight or 10 in that order. Mm-hmm. And he has to make that decision. And it seems so obvious if you look at Marcus Morris' season, he's been so important to them in ways that other more talented players should have been. Yeah, we um we were talking about this briefly in the office yesterday. I, I think that there's like a, a point where like the hottest take is that none of these players are actually all that good or not as good as we thought they would be. Yeah. Whereas you had Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown kind of playing above their heads last year, and maybe they're coming down to earth. Uh, Al Horford is older. He's been hurt. Kyrie Irving has a metal rod in his leg. Gordon Hayward had one of the most gruesome injuries we've seen for a while. And so there's almost like this perfect storm element where we thought that these players all together would be one of the most talented teams in the league. And in actuality, like all of the things that could go wrong seem to have gone wrong on an individual basis. Well, I think Orlando is a good example of why all of that is happening. Because in Orlando, basically, I mean, the last shot was dramatic. That's when Kyrie wanted the last shot, but it was given to Tatum. The bench basically lost that game. Mm-hmm. And Terry played really poorly. And that's an example of what's gone on with this whole team. Because Terry is not been able to adjust to coming off the bench. He's not been able to adjust to that role Mm -hmm. all season. It's the same thing when everywhere you look around, Jalen Brown has not been able to adjust to the fact that Gordon Hayward is one and he's 1A. It's like this season more, but after only one season, like everybody wants more, you know, touches and more and more and more uh, playtime and more of that, you know, and it's like they're so unbalanced compared to imbalanced, sorry compared to how they were last season, that it's almost like, how is this the same team? And granted, it isn't, right? Because Kyrie's fully back and Gordon Hayward's fully back. But I I do find it kind of interesting that you mentioned Stevens because I'm sort of developing this opinion that I feel like more 
he deserves a little more criticism because like, I feel like part of being a coach isn't just, you know, X's and O's, but also like managing those egos and, the, and, and that situation. And I'm not sure it's been done the best way. Like you mentioned, he should pick eight, nine guys and go with them. The problem is that's not how he operates. Like he uses the everything he has, but that's in turn created this kind of weird version of this team that's not working most of the time. Right, and he even came out after uh, Kyrie's comments after the Orlando game, after Stevens didn't drop the play for him. And Stevens said, yeah, I like player feedback. It's good. It's important. And I'm like, dude, you can't be the cool RA right now. (laughs) You have to establish some kind of order. So anyway, on to my trade. Okay, so this is the one that I woke up in the middle of the night and thought of. So just take it with a grain of, I was passed out. Okay, so the Celtics (laughs) don't want to make a trade. They don't want to get rid of one of their picks, right? Right, because they probably— Four huge picks. Because they probably want to save them up. And do you want to say it? I know you want to say it. For, for, for Anthony, Anthony Davis. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But in the and in the end, you could argue that the Celtics have already had enough change and they just kind of need to organize what's going on. Okay. My argument is that they need to fix the Hayward problem. Mm-hmm. And originally, in the middle of the night, I thought maybe they could do that by trading him for Nikola Vucevic. Okay. Now, that doesn't work straight up. And so you're going to ask me, what else would you pair on to that? And I'm telling you, Mozgov. <laughs> oh, good God. You, wow, <laughs> this look, really was in the middle I, of I that. I was listening for a little bit, but I think I'm out at Mozgov. Because he Mozgov, has another year on his deal He has after this. one more year. Yeah. They have enough. <laughs> they have enough to get rid of him. Yeah. Okay. And then they have the space for AD. And... Of course, the magic, you have to take advantage of teams like the magic because they're never going to get free agents. So Vucevic is on an expiring. They want someone like Hayward that just has to be there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, so I woke up. I realized that that probably was not going to happen and that I'd get fired <laughs> by Bill Simmons for saying that. Okay. So then I'm thinking, let's go, Terry, right? Like, let's go, Terry, or like, let's get Terry out of here. <laughs> let's get Terry out of <laughs> okay. here. Yeah. Wow. I want him to have a new situation as well. He doesn't seem yeah. happy. He's a restricted free agent. They could also lose him as well. Seems like he's been on the table all season. Mm. After, very ironically, not being on the table for the the other years of his career. I guess, like, well, just on that point, like, if if you're worried about Kyrie, like, I understand holding on to him until now. That That's my only thing. Sure, exactly. Um, I still think you make the trade for Vucevic, but mm. with Rozier, because the Magic could resign him right? Mm -hmm. He's a restricted free agent. Then they have their point guard of the future. It's hard for them to bring anyone in. I think it's easy to prey on a team like the Magic. You'd still probably have to throw something in. But Vucevic is on an expiring. I I like the second one more than the first. Definitely. Um, (laughs) Just because Horford's back and healthy, and like you mentioned, I think Baines is a pretty critical part of of what they're doing, if only because he just doesn't need to be fed. He could just kind of throw it in there and just do all the dirty work. Uh, I think if I'm Orlando... I say to myself, why can't I just throw a big offer at Terry in the offseason? Because mm-hmm. the Celtics are going to have so many divided uh, options and things to take care of, including Anthony Davis. I wonder if you, you hit them at the right time with a, a rich enough offer. They already have Marcus Smart on the bo- books. They already have Tatum to, to pay and think about like years down the road. It's getting pretty pricey. I'm, I'm like... Well, because they, they wouldn't be able to do it straight up. Terry's not paid enough. But also because the Celtics would have to throw in something. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't have to throw in much. doesn't have to be one of these four coveted picks, their own draft right. pick, the Kings pick, the Grizzlies pick, the Clippers pick. Mm-hmm. I think what's so weird about the Celtics is like we're creating a trade for them 
out of the need to have a trade to shake things up, but not because we're like, you know, it's not like another team where we're like, oh, they need a wing or they need yeah. a ball handler or they need a bait. Celtics don't really like what's like something you, you <laughs> can problem- say that they need. And it's like, I don't know how I feel about just making a deal for the sake of making a deal. I get that. Like, maybe you do need to move somebody who is perhaps not happy with the role and that's totally fine. But that's why I have a hard time finding like a, like a good deal for them that I'm gonna that I like because I just don't know what they need. They don't really need anything like out of the ordinary. No, that's fair, and that's what Terry said. They're just too talented. That's, I mean, that's what one player on your team is saying. So I agree. I'm saying I like this because I'm worried for the Celtics, and he's on an expiring. You don't really have a lot to lose, but at the same time, I think that if you're gonna change anything, it just needs to be that you need to establish who your guys are and roll with them. And not decide that this is how it was supposed to be. These two max guys, these three max guys, were who it was supposed to be. Okay, we're gonna go to the, our next team on our our doctor sheet. What do doctors hold? Like a, a log line? Clipboards. Clipboards. Yeah, clipboards. Like a, a clipboard log like, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. We're gonna yeah. go on the clipboards yeah. to, <laughs> to the Los Angeles Lakers. Paulo, give us your diagnosis. You that know, did that. That's pretty good. Um, <laughs> the Lakers are in a weird spot because. You know, you would think that there's got to be some desperation. I mean, they barely beat the Bulls the other night. They have not looked good without LeBron. They don't look anything like a playoff team without LeBron, and thus they have fallen out of a playoff team without LeBron. And that's a combination of the decisions they made in the offseason to outfit that roster with a bunch of just a weird fit of players. And Rondo also being out doesn't help. Right. So I'm very careful about kind of making the case that they should go and, and and make a trade and be desperate. And I know that we have, you know, said, you know, the Lakers missed their chance with Paul George. You know, they they missed their chance with Kawhi perhaps this summer. You know, I know we've said that because they haven't been as urgent. But I think this is this kind of scenario. The way I feel about the Lakers right now is that this is not an important year. Like, this is a very much a... like, And I think that LeBron's injury kind of points to that as well you know the the reason the latest news was that he'll start practicing next week and then after that he'll start coming back which is going to silent him for at least six weeks i think and that's in like total in, in total or yeah. around there you know that that's kind of what the reported timeline was and <laughs> remember when he was only supposed to be out like a couple days yeah i mean <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what happened with that but like there there doesn't seem to be a huge sense of urgency and what how worse does it have to get for there to be that kind of sense of urgency? Right. I, because they have not looked great without him. So it's clear that they need him. And, you know, people are saying, you know, if they were in the playoffs, I would play. So then what does that say about how he kind of perceives the season? Maybe it's just they feel it out season, you know, kind of gra- get get his bearings in L.A. and just get a sense of the place and get I mean, because he did sign a three-year deal with an option. So I don't think they need to go out and make some huge deal to try to win this year or really make a run you know i don't i don't it kind of speaks to their entire situation where it's like they're probably playing for next season yeah yet they still want to make a good show of things they want to develop their guys and they probably want to appease lebron exactly and i just think that this has been a small but significant indictment of their lack of maybe total development with the young guys and granted it's hard it's tough to ask them to spend half the season trying to fit in with lebron and the second half of the first half trying to then be as productive as they need to be without LeBron there. So right. I do like the idea. And, you know, we were, we were to talk to Vucevic. I do like the idea of him on the wow, Lakers. Vooch is a a lot of Vooch talk. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just think he would be really exactly what they need. Like Luke Walton made a lineup change the other day because he felt he had to. And it was essentially swapping out JaVale McGee for Tyson Chandler. And it's like, that tells you all you need to know about their big rotation. Right. There are other guys, Subach, who is 
very young, very inexperienced, very raw. And I think if they were somehow able to get Vooch, like that would be a very nice second half ad. Are we out on Jonathan Williams? He's he's gone. You know, I forgot they should give him another run, but he's just in the G League right now. So tough, tough for him. We were really hype on him early in the yeah, season. Yeah, we really <laughs> were. We read a blog on Jonathan. I Williams. just love how he spells his name. <laughs> it is it is a great spelling. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know Vooch and KCP maybe. You know, like that. so Vooch for KCP. Yeah, just something like that. I think KCP is like actually. Why like, would K- the Magic do that? No. I, I think for the magic, you'd probably have to throw in a sweet. Yeah, no, yeah, you would definitely have to throw in something else. But, but I'm just saying, like, he seems a little. Granted, he's been very important lately because Josh Hart is not as good on the floor with without LeBron there. Yeah. So KCP's been a better option because he's a little more of a self starter. Mm-hmm. But I think eventually, KCP feels kind of like the, you know, the guy you need to get rid yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't hate that. Um, I think for the Magic, I think if you could pretend as if you're still going for that eighth seed in, in some regard, it's like a good thing to sell to your fans while simultaneously taking a step back. I think um, DJ Foster wrote about this for The Ringer uh, about some potential Vucevic trades, and I think he focused on the Clippers and the Lakers, and he had a similar setup to you, where I forgot who was going back to Orlando for to make the salaries matches, but right. he tacked on a first-round pick because they already have enough young guys, and I do wonder if LeBron wants another young guy on that core yeah um and also our guy mo wagner that yeah that would i think he would be the 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 like he would make sense as as a throne for sure he's the type of guy that the lakers probably aren't going to use going forward but he's the type of stretch big that the the um the magic would be losing in vooch and wouldn't have amongst their crew of 30 long athletic big men Mm -hmm. and then they can kind of establish themselves as like okay we're building around Bamba and Isaac and kind of moving forward as a young team though I don't know how Steve Clifford would necessarily feel about that but can, can I throw one out there let's go because I was thinking about the Lakers last night a little bit um, I, I feel like to your point I think that they're in a position where they can try a bunch of stuff sure this see, this year is kind of found money they have LeBron I bet you they're like just raking it in at the gates and just in oh, terms yeah. of revenue and all that Uh I feel like they're the type of team that can maybe take a chance on one Markel Fultz. This no. is terrible. This is so the Sixers need a shooter, and it does feel like Josh Hart. Although we love him, it seems like he's kind of on the outskirts at this point. I feel like he long- plays really, really well when LeBron is on the court with uh, yeah, him. Yeah, I think that's what he's it one is, of the few probably. guys who has made it work when LeBron's on the court. If he's, I would one hundred percent do it if I'm the Sixers. Off. Are you kidding me? I so, would do it in a heartbeat. So basically, straight up, Josh Hart for Markel. No. No, that No, what team what team's what, next? What do, the, not, what do the Lakers have to get out of this? That they could potentially get one of the like the best prospects in the 2007 draft they have class enough, for like nothing. They have enough quote unquote top prospects that they're waiting and trying to develop yeah. into these superstars. Hmm. I don't I I don't know if you can sell me on this <sighs> one because like Hart is way better. Obviously. Yes. He's, he's actually an NBA player playing in NBA games. But I just feel like it's the type of risk-reward move that you can afford when you have a LeBron, when you have so much of like, in terms of like, they're like the Celtics in terms of assets, but in actual raw young players, not just draft picks. No, I would, I think this would make a lot more sense if it was like for KCP. Because I think he would help the Sixers right now. And yeah, the, uh, no, that that's a good point. I didn't, I didn't think about it. I don't KCP. even want this for Markel because... It's just you're taking it to the biggest market a spotlight. with the biggest superstar. Yeah, the spotlight grows like a hundred times and he already has such a large one on him. It would yeah. be pretty cool to see him get back to like top pick talent 
that he had in LA. Imagine Markel, Lonzo, LeBron, <laughs> oh my Ingram, God. your Los Angeles Lakers. I would go Let's and see go. That. I mean, worst case, he's in the South Bay and he's playing on the the South Bay Lakers. Hey, that would be great. I would love to go watch him. Watching Markell and just like a, isn't it still the Lakers practice facility? It, 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 they play at the Lakers practice that's, facility. That's a good vibe. I want to see that. Yeah, it is. They have food trucks. It's a great vibe. Yeah, the, the Lakers are, are still going to be interesting here. We'll see what they're going to do without LeBron. It seems like there's still going to be a lot of Lonzo time, going to be some Ingram time in there. Uh, they're playing the Thunder tonight. I think that's always going to be an Ooh. interesting game just because Paul George is, is facing off against the team that he could have been on the other side of uh, the other side of his life that he just didn't. The road not taken. That's what I'm going there for. There you go. I, I'm really good at this, guys. I promise. Um, that game is on TNT. That's at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. We do Pacific time here. We don't do Eastern time. I'm, I'm done. Pacific game. The East Coast market. And remember, if you want to watch every NBA game, subscribe to NBA League Pass or on NBA.com, Amazon, or your local cable or satellite provider. All right, you guys took all the big markets and all the all the splashy kind of trade talk here. I'm going to go on the other side of things. I'm going to go with the Memphis Grizzlies. I feel like the writing is on the wall with this team. Uh, it just feels like they, they made a push for it. They were in discussions for Kelly Oubre, which I think would have ended up like pretty much doing exactly what they need, which is a guy who could play on this team and maybe be a piece going forward. Fortunately, they ended up with Justin Holiday. I don't think he's meant, uh, made much of a difference there. They are one in nine, I believe, in their past 10 games. They're already seventh worst in the NBA. I feel like it's time to tank. Marcus Saul is, is saying that potentially, well, this is a Mark Stein report that he might not opt into his last year of his contract. And all of a sudden, he's a guy that I think you could jettison here and, and turn toward the future. RIP Grit and Grind, RIP Grit and Grind 2.0, which we tried for a month, but wasn't all that interesting. Um, so all of my trades, I have three for you guys because I was on the wow. trade machine all, all night, pretty much. I was having a lot of fun just in my in my apartment alone on my couch, just with House Hunters on in the background. Just I love to, it. Just to throw in there. Uh, first trade. This is for your guy, Gordon Hayward. So Marcus Saul and Garrett Temple, who you need to throw in there, I think, to make the money match uh, for Gordon Hayward. I think it's interesting because for the Grizzlies, you're not going to get a lot of free agents down there. So if you want to reboot, but don't want to hard reboot and go back to where you're pretty much in the tank for another couple of years. And I think considering that ownership there just paid to buy out his, his other minority owners, I think they don't, they can't really bottom out. Uh, I think that market is one that kind of waxes and wanes depending on how good the team is. So you really want to sell an attractive product. I think Gordon's the type of guy you buy low on and hope that maybe next year he becomes the guy he used to be. And all of a sudden you have a nice core of Conley, Jaron Jackson Jr., who we all love, and Gordon Hayward. I would take that I, risk only because not a lot of free agents are going to come to Memphis. Right. And I think the Gasol time seems all but done. It, you know, I think the report was that he was going to test free agency, you know, this upcoming summer. So it makes sense. If you can get a player like Hayward, like, I don't know how, how the Celtics would feel about that. I think they would have liked to have Gasol maybe two years ago, but not, yeah. any, not anymore. And that's that's the tough part. It may be kind of an indictment on the Grizzlies for not going this route earlier but I don't I think that could be interesting if both teams feel like that would help them right away yeah it's a little awkward fit with the Celtics just because as we yeah. mentioned with Vucevic they do have a lot of big men but I do think he's the type of guy who like Baines last year I think you could start him next to Al Horford move Al for Horford to more of a four spot which is what he started his career with next to um who's their center in Palmissa 
Paul Millsap. No, yeah. Paul Millsap. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Throwback. Yeah, it's, been, it's been a while. Um, and then they're playing bigger up front and, and as, as opposed to what they are now, which is a little bit more stretchy with Gordon kind of flashing to the fore at certain times. Uh, I think it could be interesting. Definitely makes trading for AD a little more difficult because if right. Gasol opts back into that last year of his deal, Horford also has an option going into next year. So I think like maybe he would be put off and look elsewhere sort of thing. So it's a little dicey, but I think it might be interesting for this year. Um, Gasol's also somebody that you could trade again. Yeah, that's another good point. Mm -hmm. If he does opt in, you can just kind of send him to San Antonio to hang out with Paul. Uh, All right, next one. This is is the least interesting one, so we can go quickly on this. But it's two our New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Gasol. Your your New Orleans (laughs) Pelicans. You'll come around eventually. (laughs) Gasol and Temple for Julius Randle, Solomon Hill, Wes Johnson, and a top three protected first-round pick. Uh, It's... Good for the Pelicans. I don't know. I don't like the Gasol fit that much, but it's interesting. He's he's pretty boogie like in terms of his skill set, right? And less aggressive. That's I just sure. think he would bog them down a lot. And I think they they're, their best. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the best way to counter the Warriors' style is to go a little slower. You know, there's always that, right? I mean, we last season, like you said, the, the boogie AD combo. We thought that was going to give the Warriors some trouble. So maybe that's that's kind of the the, the better way to go. Um, I do like adding Temple, I guess, you know, in in some way because they do kind of need just more serviceable players. Right. It is concerning, though, to trade away that many assets for the Pelicans because they already seem kind of shorthanded. Yes. And just you're in not terms really of, replacing things that you are getting back. Right. That's why I threw Temple in there just because, as we are going to get into later in the show, like, it does seem like they need a, a small forward and <laughs> they haven't had one in a really long time. It's basically a salary dump and you're getting a first back uh, for, for Memphis, which feels pretty disappointing just because you've gone this far and all of a sudden, you know, Marcus All is just a salary dump. Um, I'm, I'm really interested, intrigued by the fit with AD just because I do think, to Powell's point, like while they have been at their best with AD playing more center, I think their way to to raise their ceiling a little bit would be to to go back to big ball. Um, this last one is my favorite one, also not all that sexy, but I think it makes a lot of sense for both ones. And if Vladi Divac wants to give me a call and give me an assistant GM job, <laughs> I totally understand it. Gasol and Shelvin Mack for Zach Randolph's expiring, Costa Kufos ex- expiring, Harry Giles. And one of the more confusing second round pick protections I've ever seen in my life where it's the, I think the second most favorable of Cleveland, Orlando and Houston uh, next year. Wow. Essentially, this is the Kings filling out their lineup and just becoming like the EuroLeague all-star team. Their five, who I love this team just on paper, is Fox, Buddy, Bogdan, Bellinelli, not Bellinelli, um, Bielitsa, and Marcus Saul. How do we feel about this? It, this is a little interesting, but again, it's the same concept. The, 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 the Kings are at their best when they're running, and Gasol wouldn't throw a wrench in that. That's a great point. And I don't know if they're ready to give up on Giles. I mean, he's been looking pretty like serviceable. Yeah, I think it's just another standpoint. year. The Kings I, are looking ahead. Right. And if Gasol opts in, then that could bog them down. But then again, you could trade them trade him again sure but it is interesting to, to think about what their priorities are i know that they want to make the playoffs but looking like heading forward do they want to exchange some of these uh, young assets they have for somebody like us you know i don't I, it's it's kind of unclear to me i i think 
I mean, Giles and and Triple J and in Memphis would be pretty fun if Giles pans out. That would be really that would be really fun to watch. Something but, that the Kings do need is rebounding and rim protection. Yeah, desperately. I, I think it makes sense for both. I, uh, Grizzlies get a nice young big there. I think I, I'm curious to see if Giles and in uh, Triple J, I guess is what we're calling him now, would, would be able to play together. Uh, they get a good second round pick. It's probably going to be one of the top couple in the in that second round. And then Zebo gets to retire Grizzly. That's that's the best that's part a about happy this deal. Ending. That's a yeah, it's an emotional journey for yeah. him. So I like that. All right, that's a, that's enough from the doctor's office. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and talk some Pelicans. This episode is brought to you by the Showtime original comedy series, Black Monday, from executive producers Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. It's 1986 Wall Street, bad fashion, big hair, and bigger egos abound. The old boys club has all the power until an unruly group of underdog traders decide it's their turn to be on top and accidentally cause the biggest stock market crash in history. Starring Don Cheadle, Andrew Rinalds, and Regina Hall. Black Monday premieres this Sunday at 10 p.m. only on Showtime. To try a free month of Showtime, go to Showtime.com and enter code RINGER. This offer is for first-time subscribers only and expires February 24th. And we're back. We're talking about teams at the trade deadline, some of the more interesting ones. We talked about the Kings last week with Riley McAtee. Uh, I thought... At the time, they're probably the most interesting team, but the Pelicans, our New Orleans Pelicans, are in a pretty similar situation. Uh, They're 21-24 right now, clinging to uh, the playoff race. They're probably one of the more uh, active teams going into the trade deadline, and to talk about them, we brought on an expert live from New Orleans, the New Orleans Advocate's own, Scott Kushner. How's it going, buddy? I'm good, Justin. Still still missing... uh... My ESPN partner from back in the day. I know. It, it. We were only together on the beat for about a year and a half, but I feel like it stretched about a decade of my life. It felt like a decade. <laughs> it was just a traumatic 18 months. How have you uh, compensated without me? Uh, you know, just written more horrible things about a horrible <laughs> team. And, yeah, this, is, <laughs> this, this is life. Yeah, that's honestly what my main takeaway when I watch a lot of these games are, that everything seems to have changed, and yet at the same time, nothing has changed. Because here we are in the middle of the season, when they're at their best, they seem like they can hang with most teams in the league. And I think you saw that last night with the way they kind of pushed the Warriors, and then they beat the Clippers the game before. But then... Other times, it seems like they're a completely different team. The injuries stack up, and I don't really know what to make of them. I think like probably the f- best place to start here is, does that feel same to you? Does it just feel like kind of history repeating itself? Yeah, I think th- I'm writing a column today, and the only word that kept popping into my head, which I don't think I should use in a newspaper column, is like, it's Sisyphus-like. Oh, wow. Like, they continue <laughs> to just like push this boulder and they're not going anywhere. Like it's the same story over and over again. And it's like, I don't know. They scored 140 points in 48 minutes last night and lost. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. And it's crazy. It's just like, it's this convergence of opportunity and luck that just never work at the same time together. And they just like work against them constantly. And it's like, there's always, it feels like every franchise has like this, this chance. And they kind of make it, you know, like the, the sliver of opportunity comes up and they find a way to pounce on it. And this team, every time that sliver of opportunity comes up, they find a way to completely fail. And I, it's so strange uh, as to why that continues to happen. And this season in particular, I think, is the most 
disappointing uh, for a lot of people just because it looked like finally things had kind of come together last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were so many good vibes entering this offseason. Uh, and then, you know, the thing with DeMarcus happens, uh, but it looked like they had compensated for it fairly well. There was a ton of optimism when they started 4-0. And then, like, everything that has ever gone wrong for this team, like, it was the just rinse, repeat. We've seen all this a hundred times before. Right. Yeah. Even even just from, like, a statistical standpoint, they're third on offense, 25th in defense. That was always the thing that struck me the most, is that somehow with Anthony Davis, probably the best two-way player in the league, they still can't find that correct balance where they're good on both ends. It really kind of came down to that stretch last season after they lost Boogie, where they were able to kind of meld the two with Nico playing off of AD. Uh, do you think a lot of the fact that they're back and they're reverting back to that sort of flawed structure, I guess, or however you want to say it, do you think that's because Nico has been hurt so much this year? It hasn't helped, but he hasn't missed, you know, 50% of the season. He's missed, you know, uh, 13 games, 14 games, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I don't know exactly what the reason is that the drop-off is so drastic uh, defensively because they were like a top five defense in the second half of last season. Right. And that's without DeMarcus. Uh, And, you know, it's just like you mentioned there, Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis are first team all NBA all defense. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, that is crazy to have a team that's 25th in defense with two guys like that. Um, Two very high plus guys. Alfred Payton is not a bad defender. Julius Randle is not a good defender at all. I do think that has hurt them more than they probably anticipated. Uh, but it shouldn't account for this much of a problem. The fact they don't have a traditional three, I think hurts them from time to time defensively, particularly in certain matchups like against the Warriors, for example. Uh, but there's really not a huge explanation other than they have been banged up uh, and they just haven't played very hard defensively a lot of the times. And I think it's really hurt them uh, this year. Scott, I don't know if you've heard this before, but they haven't had a true three since Quincy Pondexter. <laughs> i'm gonna go back to trevor reza quite frankly (laughs) yes seriously um in this day and age if you don't have those type of players up and down your roster you're going to struggle and for them they've had to kind of piece together different lineups going with three guards at times uh playing more big guys they're doing a little bit of the nico randall ad lineup right yeah it's a lot of they're doing some of that it's not a ton i mean Mm -hmm. Nico just got back games ago it's really more that every time Drew Holiday or Anthony Davis, but mostly every time Drew Holiday steps off the court, uh, it's a dumpster fire uh, on defense. It is a complete disaster. I think they're, I mean, he's got to have the one of the biggest spreads of plus minus, you know, on and off the court in the league. I think it's like 21 points based on when he's on and off. And he hasn't missed a game this season. So it's not as if that's being, you know, uh, issued by sample size or you know it's it's just bad uh they really don't have anyone else who can do anything like he does and it's in one half because drew holiday is an excellent player he's definitely a huge contributor to them both ends but it's also really uh exposes their depth and -hmm. exposes just how few options that alvin gentry has that are actually reliable i mean he's playing tim frazier at least in the last couple games he's playing tim frazier a ton of minutes and it's just because he has no other options. Tim Frazier got cut by Milwaukee in right. October yeah. uh, and he got added in the day the season started. It's not, I mean, these are bad options uh, that he's having to run out in the backcourt. And it's clearly a huge problem and it does hold them back. And it's a reason that they keep losing all these close games is that they lose so, they lose just tons of ground 
all these games in the middle of them because their bench is so bad. I know we mentioned there, so people have mentioned this before, kind of the switch from last season going from Rondo to Alfred Payton, but I'm wondering, you know, up close how, I know Payton's been a little injured, but is he that much of a, has he been that much of a drop-off from Rondo that, that that's also hurting them? Because I guess when I look at the team, I'm also thinking like, where else are they going to, like you said, the three position is a problem and it's always been, but if they don't make a move, like where where else should they demand f- more from? Is, is it from Peyton? Yeah, I think Peyton's not the issue. The, p- the issue is Peyton missed 30 games, mm-hmm. um, and that really hurt them. Their record with Alfred is is you know winning at the clip that I, a 50-win team or 55-win team. Um, he is not, you know, he's not the answer, I think, at point guard. I don't think he's quite as good as Rondo, but he fills most of the role that Rondo does on the floor. Uh, I think he's probably a, runs a little bit better than him as far as getting up and down and being able to actually stop people and get in front of them. Uh, it's you know He does not have that leadership. He doesn't exude those type of qualities that I think this team misses uh, a lot, especially in close games. Even though Ronner didn't play a lot in those close games, he did provide them some confidence. He provided them some intangibles that I'm not sure they totally realized how much they would miss when he was gone. I think there was a lot of expectation that Holiday and Davis are ready to kind of carry that leadership role by themselves. And I, I, that might have been a bit premature um, or just a bit asking too much out of guys who are not those types of personalities. Uh, and so Rondo, the, that is an interesting situation because there's a lot of uh, stuff there that doesn't necessarily have to do with, you know, what you can look at a stat, uh, what you can look at an on-off. And even what you can see is replaced by Alfred Payton, who's a really quiet guy and is someone who's well liked, but is not does not carry the command and the respect that Rondo does. Yeah, that's that was my only reason why I was critical of losing Rondo. Like I, I definitely recognize all of his flaws, especially on the defensive end. And it seems like he's hurt every year now. He misses twenty or so games. Uh, but it just it seemed like in this critical of a season where AD was obviously going to go into the summer and uh, make a pretty big decision in terms of his long term status there. Like why you would rock the boat there? I guess ultimately they didn't have a deci- like a decision to make because the Lakers offered Rondo such a huge contract. But it was disappointing in that the one time that they seemed to have something going for them, uh, it just kind of got disrupted, especially with the way Boogie kind of just left in, in the middle of the summer. It really bothered a lot of people in the Pelicans too the way that it happened with Rondo. I think um, the coaching staff really wanted him back. That was uh, a a huge point of contention. Uh, and I don't think it's so much Dell's fault. Uh, I think he probably could have played it more aggressively. Dell Demps, the general manager, he's not a household name. I would have picked up this up, I guess. Trader Dell, we know, we know all about him. <laughs> Dealer Dell, yeah. Dealer Dell, uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 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 wow. We're working for alliteration. Uh, <laughs> it's been a while. You know, I think, I think he probably, and Rondo has come out and said as much, you know, which is that he felt the Pelicans could have been more aggressive uh, at the, the onset of all this. But when it came down to it, that Lakers offer, I think, was going to be his best offer regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, he might say that he would take less money or whatever it was. Maybe there were more years from the Pelicans, but they really were not in position to offer really any more um, than what they did. And quite frankly, they needed to fill the role that DeMarcus Cousins left behind and that was the Julius Randle signing. So in a lot of ways, it all made sense. Uh, but it, it is uh, it is the the problem you have 
when everything you do is based on these one-year contracts. Right. Uh, that you run into this every single year that you're constantly trying to figure out how to plug holes. And if they turn this around and have a great second half of the season again, and they roll into the playoffs and everything looks good, you still got to figure out a way to try to sign Nico Miritich, try to sign Alfred Payton, and try to sign Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much impossible. Um, not to mention bring Anthony Davis back. So, you know, I mean, I know he's guaranteed, <laughs> that, but that old thing. Gotta, try to find, <laughs> gotta try to get him to sign an extension, just, you know, FYI. Uh, so it, it's, it's just like there's a million balls in the air all the time, and there's just doesn't feel like there's much of a long-term uh, plan when it comes to how this is going to look going forward. Yeah, and I guess the one flip side of that is their aggressiveness, how bold they've been the past two deadlines has really paid off for them. Obviously, Boogie, two years ago, we saw that one firsthand. And then last year, it seemed like Nico Mirotic was probably one of the better trades that was executed at the deadline considering what they paid up for him. Uh, they also got off of Omer Oshik's contract, which was pretty like helpful going forward. Uh, do you see that same thing happening going into this deadline, that they're going to be aggressive and try to make something happen? They've been very aggressive over the past you know, few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to make something happen. They want to improve the team. Any idea that they're going to trade AD at the deadline and start over or anything like that is, is wrong. Uh, I mean, something could drastically change, I suppose, in the next few weeks. But their focus is entirely on getting the team better and trying to get into position where they can make a run into the postseason and, you know, make some noise and think that that is going to be the thing that triggers enough optimism in Anthony Davis that, you know, he'll sign to be the richest player in the history of basketball. That seems far-fetched at the moment, um, but it is possible if you make the right move. And yeah, the Nico deal was great. I think that worked out perfectly for them. Uh, But again, you know, you sacrifice a first-round pick and now you have a free agent on your hand coming up this summer. And it's just kind of the continuation of a cycle that you're always losing these picks and you're always getting kind of a good player in the short term, but it's hard to make to, you know, keep that guy going forward. And you never really have quality players on cheap deals, which has been their biggest flaw. Uh, and it's why their depth is always so limited. Yeah. But having said that, you know, I've been telling these guys the past two weeks, believe it or not, I've been a big optimist just because they're back at full strength. (laughs) They look good when they have all of their starters in there. It makes a lot of sense. It reminds me much more of last year than earlier in the season. Uh, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, they still have two top 25 players. And I do wonder if they, they get into the mix here, if they find that wing or maybe like another plus ball handler who's like a pretty big upgrade from Peyton who can play off a of Drew really well. I do wonder kind of like how much they can climb here. Do you think like, I guess, first of all, what do you think they're going to focus on? And if so, do you think that they could get into the mix for the top four in the West? I think top four seems like a stretch, but just because of the teams that are in front of them. You're such a hater, um, Scott. Why are you such a I think they can get in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of really good teams in there yeah, that right. are really hard. Yeah. The problem, and, and you're right, I completely agree with you that like, when they're healthy, that they can be really good. And that's what they've all kind of said the whole year. is like, look, we haven't been healthy, and so we don't know what we are and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, not a lot of teams are healthy. It's really hard to be healthy the whole year. Like That doesn't happen very often where you're not having 10 to 12 game stretches without your guys. Now they've had it worse than some other teams, like because Peyton has missed so much time and Meritage has missed so much time. Drew Holiday has played every single game. Uh, you know, Anthony Davis has missed four. So it's not as if they're this, you know, their superstars are getting hurt. It's not like losing Chris Paul, like Houston has. Uh, it is, you know, 
they're good. They're healthy right now. So we'll kind of see what they have. Uh, and I think that'll give them a good idea of what they need at the trade deadline. But there's no guarantee that, that stays together. I mean, someone's going to get hurt in the next 40-something games or 38 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just doesn't seem like a feasible plan to say, okay, as long as everyone stays healthy, I think we're going to be pretty good. Um, because that just has never happened in the history of this team. And to think that it's going to happen now just is a little unrealistic. Yeah, I guess, I guess my, my reason for optimism is just that it feels like they just need depth. If they just had two or three guys to line the back end of their roster, then all of a sudden, if you lose a Nico for a couple of games, if you lose a pain, it won't matter as much. And Agreed. And so I, I do wonder if, it, if their answer isn't, you know, a, a superstar, isn't a Kevin Love type. Obviously, he's hurt, but he's not going to, so he's not going to be in the mix. Or like a Marcus Saul type. Uh, it's actually getting a Baysmore plus like a DeAndre Bembry, some of these other guys in the mix there. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of options when you start, to, especially as you start to see some of these teams fall out of the playoff picture a little bit. Um, and they're, you know, the Pelicans, I would be shocked if they don't trade their first round pick mm-hmm. um, this year, even regardless of what happens over the next two weeks. It just seems like that's something that that is going to be their best asset that they can give up. And yeah, there's, I mean, there's enough guys out there and it's hard to know exactly what direction they're going to go in, but the idea of them bringing in either a ball handler who can help out Peyton and holiday off the bench. And that seems like it would not be a terribly expensive thing to get somebody like that. who would eliminate you having to play Tim Frazier and those type of guys. And then if they can, I mean the, the shot at the moon that they want to take, that they're trying to take is to go get Bradley Beal. Ooh. I don't think it's realistic. It seems really hard for them to be able to pull that off. Um, but that's the kind of move that is a, a game changer that can really make them and a team that can keep Anthony Davis here in their eyes. So, we'll, I mean, they went after Jimmy Butler really hard. And mm-hmm. That was a very real thing that happened. Uh, it's not as if they're sitting on their hands trying to do you know nothing and, and see what happens in May. Uh, they're going after talent. Uh, I don't know what they can get. They don't have a ton of assets that anybody really wants, except for that first round pick and some bad contracts that will eventually expire. Bradley Beal, Frank Jackson. I'm I'm like weirdly into Frank Jackson as like a <laughs> as like a bench option that is brings a lot of energy. I, I maybe I'm a little biased because I watched him work out a little bit this summer with the holidays, and he was like extremely athletic to the point where like even like Drew and Justin were like in awe of how athletic he, he could be. So I'm glad he's getting mm. more minutes though. So he is, and so is Jaleel Okafor, and I think both those guys have helped them a lot off the bench that they can guys they can turn to that aren't just retreads in the league and have, you know, like are just floating around for that, you know, last couple years or whatever before they fall off. Like Frank Jackson is someone who has a huge potential. I mean, he was as close as you get to a first round pick. They traded up to pick him at 31. He's incredibly athletic. Like you said, he can shoot. Uh, he's still obviously raw just because he's a rookie. Um, and then you have Julie Okafor who is playing a lot better offensively than I, I ever expected uh, and looks a lot more like the guy who came in as a top 10 pick, uh, you know, still obviously a slow and those kinds of things. But you have guys with some talent back there who can do some stuff. It's just limited uh, and, and you can't rely on it too much. And it's why Holiday and Davis play more minutes than anybody else in the league is because they just don't have a whole lot of guys back there you can trust for long stretches. Poor Cech Diallo. 
That's our yeah, guy. Yeah, it's been rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was Wakanda saluting last year. He was in such a good mood, and now he's just buried. It's incredible how he's never put weight on. He just seems like the same weight that he started like as a rookie three years ago. <laughs> it's, he, can, he plays very hard, and that's the one thing that you really get from him. <laughs> he plays very hard. Uh, let's talk about Bo- Boogie quickly. He's coming back on Friday. Uh, I know that's kind of something we're all excited about. Uh, you spent what about two years with him? Yeah, about a year. Yeah, season and a half. It was yeah. it was uh, eventful. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, uh, I was I was only there for his first half uh, after he got traded there at the deadline. Uh, what was your what's your best Boogie story, Scott? That you could tell on air. He's unbelievable, man. Yeah, I, it's really hard to like in a league full of a lot of boring guys and this team has had a lot of boring guys. Um, and that's not necessarily in a bad way. Like they have kind of good citizens, but like they're boring. Yeah. Um, he was just the best because he is insane. Uh, and I mean, he literally, he was in the locker room after the, so he's a big Alabama football fan. Mm-hmm. And during the national championship game, I mean, he was like cursing out, the, he was in the he cleared out the entire locker room. No one else was in there except for the media and him. And he did not stop cursing and yelling at the TV for like two full hours watching the game. Wow. <laughs> he was just <laughs> screaming at dudes the entire time. He is he doesn't care what anybody really thinks of him. He is uh, always out there. I mean, I've heard stories of them just kind of driving through neighborhoods in New Orleans. And handing out cash to people who they thought were down on their luck. <laughs> like he, just a weird, just a weird situation. Like just not at all what you would think with him. And then some things that you would totally expect with him where he's just like screaming at guys on the practice court mm-hmm. who definitely didn't do anything wrong to him and like almost getting in fights for no reason. And I mean, it's like he is this uh dichotomy that is, very interesting to be around, but it's also exhausting at the same time. Yeah, that was that's a really good way of putting it. I found him to be among the most charismatic people like I've ever been around. And like we're around oh, yeah. a lot of yeah. NBA players like LeBron's the world. There's something about him. I think part of it is because you want him to like you so much because if he doesn't like you, he will hate you. Oh, yeah. He's got the scowl that, you know, is you can see from 100 miles away if he doesn't like somebody. Yeah, and so there's just that in and out quality with him. I just remember at one point, uh, I have I have two things, which are one, he really liked my my Jordans when I bought them, and was probably yes, <laughs> was a highlight of my reporting career, just being validated by Demarcus Cousins on my fashion. Uh, and the other one was him just randomly wanting to talk about Lonzo Ball. He just was really <laughs> <laughs> he was just really curious why people liked Lonzo. And I remember when I asked him who he thought was a good draft prospect, because he's leading into that draft, he was like Bam Adebayo, who's like his best friend from Kentucky. And I was like, Oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um there are a lot of other boogie stories like that, but I'm not sure a lot of them are, are good for him. Uh when he rode in that Mardi Gras parade and wore the panties on his head, I think that was like that was like his first week in New Orleans. <laughs> yes. Wow. And he was he was Drinking like straight out of the bottle, Hennessy, and yep. had panties on his head, yep. and was just riding down Canal Street, and yeah, full of glory. In a lot Could of not care less. In a lot of ways, I think he took like he represented the city in a, in a way that AD couldn't. Just from a personality standpoint, obviously, I think AD, yeah. like he clearly has done right by the city and has been a, a great player for them, and probably one of the best attractions they'll 
they'll have in that basketball stadium. It's just, there's something about Boogie that his personality just jived with it. I mean, he's from nearby. And so I don't know if it's a Southern thing or just like that kind of good nature, like Southern uh, hospitality sort of thing. But there's just something about him that he immediately blended in. Yeah, he's a trip, man. There's really, and I mean, there were, uh, were you still there when they played Sacramento for the first time? Yes. And he literally wouldn't start the interview until like two TV reporters from Sacramento left the locker room. He was like, I'm not talking <laughs> until these two guys leave. <laughs> I, yeah, I do remember. I think, I think leading into that game, he wore a hat from his own clothing brand that said loyalty. And also on his hoodie, yeah. there was a signal that said loyalty. And he pretended because probably someone told him to like tread carefully about what you say about him. Uh, he, he just like, he would not answer the question. He just kept repeating, I'm going to play hard and we're going to go out there and get that win <laughs> with the biggest telling <laughs> smile I've ever seen on his face. It was incredible. He's out there, man. Yeah. He's, I, I don't know how that's going to work in Golden State, but I know it will be entertaining. About his divorce from New Orleans, though, quickly. Has everything kind of repaired there? I mean, what what is the status of like him and, and the organization that you can get a sense of? He is fine. It sounds like, uh, based on everybody that I've, I've talked to from his side, which is you know limited interaction. Um, everybody that from the Pelican side seems to be fine with him, with the exception of the front office, and he seems to be fine with everyone except the front office. Uh, there was a very clear delineation in what they thought of each other. Uh, entering free agency this year, I, I, you know, he, he famously told Mark Spears that he never got an offer from the Pelicans, which is technically true, but isn't really true. I mean, they did, they had come to an agreement of what the contract they were going to offer him was, but they didn't call him on the first day and they kind of let it linger there. And they kind of tried to see what the market was going to be like for DeMarcus. He found that certainly insulting. Um, and then he went and kind of made the move on his own. Uh, to go to Golden State. So it was, you know, he felt disrespected by the front office for sure, which he thought he still deserved to be a max player because they told him, you know, when they traded for him and everything afterward that he was going to be a max guy. He was the future of the team, all this kind of stuff. And then the second he got hurt, they had, they, and they probably smartly changed their calculus on it. Uh, but I think that bothered him. And I think the way that he handled it then, basically telling, you know, ESPN, which ran it <laughs> just unfiltered from DeMarcus, mm-hmm. that he never got an offer, which made Dell look kind of dumb, uh, but wasn't really true. And so I think there's there's definitely some mixed messaging there, and there's some hard feelings between those two. Uh, but Alvin Gentry always stands up for DeMarcus and always has. Anthony Davis still really likes DeMarcus and always has. Um, they know who he is. They know kind of the insane parts of him. Uh, but there's, I would not say the divorce was ugly. I think there's still a section of the fan base that's still mad at him, uh, but it's pretty small and it's, you know, I don't think it's a particularly relevant storyline to most people anymore. Yeah. Well, it is here because we love the Pelicans. Actually, what's funny is that uh, you do something for so long, you almost can't divorce yourself from it. And I get shit from people here because all I want to talk about is the Pelicans because I'm like the only person... <laughs> interested in them this I, I think they're fascinating i think like i've always said this if they played in a bigger market their palace intrigue is just as interesting as like the lakers or some of these other teams it is and it is totally different that they just play in a small market and they're the third biggest team here and it's like right. you know, we're the 52nd biggest market and they're the third biggest team in the 52nd market it's like they just don't get the level of breathless coverage that other teams do and it is this season is like this critical juncture and this 
unbelievable, you know, inflection point in the history of this franchise. And like, no one is paying attention because the saints are really, really good. And <laughs> it's like this weird, like they're going to pay attention. I know like the second the saints season is over, it's going to be a really big deal, but it's really hard to gain attention from the league uh, because the people here don't seem to be totally worried about it. I mean, the Anthony Davis thing has been covered all from the angle of, is he going to LA or is he going to Boston? And not from the angle of is what are the Pelicans going to be able to get in return? Will they be able to rebuild this team? Will they be able to keep him? Like it doesn't ever feel like new Orleans even matters in that conversation. It's all about kind of what the other side is going to get. Well, to be fair, they've had how many years to make it matter? Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's completely their fault. I mean, they had, and that's why this season was so important to be like, okay, last year you made yourself relevant. Can you make yourself relevant going forward? And they haven't so far. So, you know, it's totally earned. It's just that they do feel like a totally irrelevant piece of the league sometimes. Hey, what's uh, what's second in the sports hierarchy? Is it LSU gymnastics? LSU. <laughs> <laughs> LSU baseball, LSU gymnastics. We'll just, we'll just loop the entire LSU uh, sports arena into there. Um, all right, that's. I think that's that's a good place to stop. <laughs> that's a dark place to stop. Anytime you, get, anytime you can drive LSU gymnastics on the record, you got to get It's great. It's time to wrap it up. You wouldn't, guys wouldn't believe it, but LSU gymnastics, Tulane, and, and LSU baseball is just huge down there, and I, I don't understand it. Um, they are not bigger than the Pelicans. LSU football is bigger than the Pelicans. Okay, okay, yeah, I guess so. Uh, um, all right, that's it for us, uh, for Haley, for Paolo, for Scott, for Bobby Wagner, and from me. We'll see you next time. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.